This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Wednesday night. We're up at Little John Coliseum. It's Clemson and Florida State in ACC basketball action. Tigers trying to get back on the winning side after losing three in a row after being the surprise team of the ACC and having the lead there for a couple of weeks in league play. Now they have dropped into fourth place, and, of course, You want to win as many games as you possibly can. You want to try to win the regular season championship. But the bigger picture, of course, is winning enough games to get off the NCAA tournament bubble, if that's indeed where you are in the minds of the committee. And also play your way into the first-round bye of the ACC tournament, one of those top four seeds. That's all good if you can make that happen. So we're here tonight, 7 o'clock tip, Clemson and Florida State. Of course, around here, they'd be more interested in Clemson, Florida State football. That's not until September, and, and that will be huge for the ACC championship. A lot of people are thinking Florida State might be ready to unseat Clemson there. Uh, we got plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, last night in Columbia at the uh, CLA, normally known as the Colonial Life Arena, but to the Gamecocks, it's the Come Lose Arena because they haven't won. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's true. It is true. Yeah. I, just never I came up with that, that last way. night as I was thinking about things Ouch. in the postgame. Well, they haven't won a home game in 2023. Now, mm-hmm. that is – I haven't checked all the SEC uh, schedules to this point. And I know some SEC teams have played one non-league game since January because they were in the Big 12 Challenge. But as far as league game goes, the Gamecocks have not won a home league game. How many teams in the SEC have not won a home league game this year? I dare say they might be the only one. Without looking, LSU would be the only other candidate I would put up there, but I think you're probably right. You you normally, even as bad teams, you normally pull one or two away from your home court just because you've got your fans behind you. But South Carolina, as we mentioned last night, especially with that horrible start they got off to and it doomed them to another home loss, they've been so much better away from home. And I thought it was interesting Lamont Paris was asked about that last night in the postgame, and he's, he's really unclear as to what's going on with them too, why they don't get off to better starts. He says their routine is exactly the same as what they do on the road. He did talk about maybe they sleep better on the road because it's just them in the hotel, so might as well go to bed. Also, they don't have quite as many distractions. That's possible. But, gosh, you would think you'd get off to much, much better starts just from the home boost. But they certainly have not since the Eastern Michigan game back on, uh, what, New Year's Eve. And nobody was there for that because they were at the bowl game, and that was, Mm -hmm. you know, Imani Bates was in town and all that. Um the effort at home just hasn't been good, right? I mean, they fall behind once again to a very mediocre Vanderbilt team. This is not a great Vanderbilt team. And by halftime, they're down 20 points once again. 
And, of course, you can say, well, look at the second half. They played so much better, and they outscored them by nine. Well, you still lost by double digits. And so, I mean, what good does that do you? You build yourself such a deep hole, you can't get out of it. It's a 40-minute game. It's not a 20-minute game. Winning Mm -hmm. the second half and losing by 11 is not anything to feel proud about. So, But as I've said repeatedly, wins and losses for this South Carolina team this year now – more than ever, it's irrelevant. It's about uh, building for the future and establishing the culture in the program and Lamont Paris sort of uh, uh, setting the um, the parameters for what he expects from his team in the future. This is a, obviously a lost year. And, you know, the, the story now has become G.G. Jackson, unfortunately. Everybody watches his every move. Uh, if he raises an eyebrow on the bench, it's breaking news. If he un ties his shoes five minutes before the game is over. It's breaking news, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it is a little disconcerting to everybody around the program that your most marketable and your marquee player seems to be checking out at this particular point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people want to call cite his youth and all that. And I don't disagree. He's a young fellow. But, you know, our society has put him in this position, our rush to greatness and our rush to money has put him in this position. So uh, I don't I, look, and he chose, and his family chose to put him in this position. So you accept what comes with it, and what comes with it is some degree of professionalism because you are a professional basketball player, and what comes with it is a degree of professionalism and carrying yourself like a man, not like a teenager. And um, unfortunately, that part has sort of. Um, checked out with him and uh, he's he's reverted to to his high school days i guess where he wants to hang out with his buddies and behave that way um and it's you can't tell me it doesn't affect the team uh lamont paris said he he, he doesn't pay attention to what happens on the bench he's too busy coaching the players but you got to believe as the head coach you better be aware of what's happening on your bench you better be aware of what's happening in your locker room you better be aware of what's happening with him on social media that's part of the job these days well, and the other issue, and there are several in this, Phil, and I think you're right about the fact that he may have checked out, and it's unfortunate. And Lamont Paris is in a tough, tough position. And I thought it was interesting that some of the players last night in postgame, they're still going to bat for him and talking about he's part of this team, we're still behind him. So at least he hasn't totally lost, at least publicly, the, the support of his teammates on that USC roster. But Lamont Paris is in an impossible scenario right now. He's, st- he's still their best player when he shows up to play. The problem is the last couple of ball games, since he has not come off the bench, or excuse me, since he has not started and is coming off the bench, he's basically pouted and not played well and been pulled out of the game and with the exception of, what, a couple of weeks ago when he was a key cog coming off the bench and gave them a chance in Missouri. But the last couple of ball games, it's almost as if, if you're not going to start me, I'm not going to give that kind of effort anymore. And it's unfortunate. So what do you do if you're Lamont Paris? All right. I'll bench him, see if that'll get his motor running, get him upset, make him understand what I need from him, and it's almost backfiring. And let's face it, if it were you, Pat, or I on that team in this same scenario, we'd probably be kicked off the team by now. Hmm. But this is an NBA prospect, and, and you can't run him off because that'll be the storyline the rest of the year. Well, Lamont Paris ran off the best player at South Carolina in years. 
I mean, he's. I, I feel bad for him in that scenario, trying to keep the team together and trying to coax as much out of Gigi as he is as he can. But he's just not getting anything, and Gigi's earning the amount of minutes he is getting to play right now. He played 16 minutes last night, accounted for two points and one rebound. I mean, what is he giving you that say I don't know Zachary Davis is not giving you off the bench, or certainly what Josh Gray? Josh is. Uh, playing really, really well on the backboards. He's not giving them a whole lot of offense, but nonetheless, he has given them an opportunity to get on the glass much more so than Jackson is. I don't know how this how this plays out the rest of the, of the year. This is a situation where Gigi's got to decide whether or not he wants to be a part of this team the rest of the season or is he already cashed it in and he's looking at greener pastures after the season is over. Yeah. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. We come to you from high atop Little John Coliseum. Teams have been on the court with some early warm-ups. Some fans are already getting into the arena, and so it's ACC action tonight between the Tigers and Florida State. We'll go over the rest of the basketball schedule coming up tonight here in just a little bit. We've got high school basketball playoffs beginning tonight all across the state in some of the qualifications I'm sorry, in some of the classifications, uh, some, some classes start tonight. Some will start uh, tomorrow night. So we've got high school basketball playoff action uh, getting underway starting tonight. Should mention, in the interest of fairness, because we reported this last week when the South Carolina men's tennis team beat Clemson 7 to nothing to gain a point in the, uh, what do we call it, the Palmetto uh, the Palmetto Series, in the Palmetto mm-hmm. Series. Yep. Uh, well, yesterday, the Clemson women beat the South Carolina women in tennis to a game First that time point in, what, back. a decade? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while, yeah. So uh, Clemson women pick up a, a nice victory there. Um, and we'll update some notes for you here. we got plenty of recruiting coming your way, and we invite your phone calls. Phone number 888 2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you to reach us here on Sports Talk. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on, uh, we'll have some of the comments from uh, Lamont Paris for you from uh, last night's game. Also, Clemson baseball coach Eric Bakich, who met with the media yesterday to uh, preview the beginning of the season on Friday. We'll hear from him. And a little bit after 7 o'clock, Wofford baseball coach Todd Interdonato. One of the most colorful uh, interviews that we've ever done have been with Todd Interdonato <laughs> because he is a, uh, he's a character, and he tells you exactly how he feels about things. Had a very good year last year. I remember as the season went on, at one point, I think Wofford had the best uh, RPI in the country when it came to baseball, or not in the country, but in the state, of all the state mm-hmm. teams. Uh, and they were looking very, very good. But... You know, I, they fell to the fate, the same fate that the College of Charleston uh, fell to, and that is they didn't win their um, their tournament, and thus they were left out of the NCAA tournament. So had a really good year last year, ended up losing two g- games to Greensboro uh, on May 29th, 10-2 and 12-2, wasn't close, that particular, um, those particular games. They finished 42-16-1. 2022 regular season Southern Conference champions, back-to-back Southern Conference champions, favored to win the Southern Conference this year, 16-4-1 in the Southern Conference last year. But, Chris, just like the College of Charleston, which went 19-3 in league play last year, they uh, 
and they couldn't beat Northeastern in their tournament, and Wofford couldn't beat um, Greensboro in their tournament, and they end up staying home. Yeah, it was unfortunate. We talked about them a good bit throughout the season and watched their progress, and they reminded me a whole lot of the South Carolina men's basketball team the year before the Final Four run. That team was an NCAA tournament team without the NCAA realizing it. I think Wofford's team last year was an NCAA tournament team, should have been in the field, especially if, if you're looking for a marquee win, a marquee series victory for a school like Wofford or I'll take Coastal out of the mix because of what they've accomplished on the baseball field. They don't always fit this model. But you're talking about teams out of a one- or two-bid league at best. Wofford had a terrific series win at Dallas Baptist when they were ranked 18th in the country. That was, you know, the first part of April. That should have been enough along with their record. That should have been enough to get them in despite what happened in the Southern Conference Tournament. And Mm -hmm. I remember asking Coach Interdonato about that. Would you have been better off not playing the Southern Conference Tournament? And to his credits, he said no. He likes the Conference Tournament because of the fact that it continues to make people want to play good baseball late in the season. Teams mm-hmm. that are out of the mix and don't have much to play for may just pack it in and not give their best. But he did like the conference tournament. I tip my cap to him for that because that is the only reason they didn't get into the NCAA tournament was the SoCon baseball tournament last year. And those two losses on what turned out to be championship, what, Sunday? Yeah. The SoCon. Yeah, they went in there with a chance to, I think, one win and they were in. They lost mm-hmm. that first game 10-2 to and basically just ran out of pitching, lost that second game 12-2. to So we'll have Coach on with us here a little bit after 7. I'll be with you guys until the top of the hour. Then I'll pass it back over to you guys, and uh, then uh, I'll give you an update here from Clemson, probably bottom of the hour before we uh, sign off at, uh, at 8 o'clock. Uh, and so with that, uh, let's go to our break, and we'll come back and uh, catch up on some things. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina education lottery lucky number since 2002 more than 2.1 million lottery funded scholarships such as life hope and palmetto fellow scholarships have been awarded to south carolina students learn more about the education lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins playing for fun is a win for education we're back in a moment Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases, that you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network from up at Little John Coliseum. Clemson 
Florida State going to be tipping it off a little bit after 7 o'clock. Tigers are 18-7, and 10-4 and four in the ACC. Florida State is 8-18, and 6-9. and nine. Lost five of their last six. That one win was over Louisville. So does that really count? Uh, the Tigers have lost three in a row at Boston College, home to Miami, and at North Carolina. So all of a sudden... They've kind of hit the uh, skids here. They beat Florida State down there, 82-81. That was a game where Clemson got off to a tremendous start. I mean, they were just annihilating Florida State, and then things turned and became quite a close game. But the Tigers ended up winning it, 82-81. And so Brad Brownell, he kind of has a, a double a problem here, Chris. I mean, people have seen how good this team can be and how this team can win ACC games and beat some of the best teams in the ACC and be atop the ACC standings, all right? But they're also seeing now the Tigers kind of at their worst, and their worst fears would be to be at the top of the ACC at the midway point and then to fall apart and not make the NCAA tournament Brad Brownell, for all the uh, praise he was receiving as recently as, I don't know, 10 days ago, the pressure has to start to mount if the losses continue to mount. That's why this game is huge. It's a very winnable game at home against a bad team. And then you go play a Louisville team, which is a bad team. Then you get Syracuse here. Now, Syracuse got a big win last night, but you get Syracuse here you got a chance to maybe throw two or three wins in a row together before you have a really tough two-game road trip to Raleigh and to Charlottesville before you finish up here against a bad Notre Dame team that did give Duke a tough one last night. Point is, they cannot lose this game tonight. Clemson, South Carolina, I've said this for a million years, and I'll continue to preach and bang on this drum. The Gamecocks and Tigers almost need to be flawless in their resume before the NCAA. Don't give them any reason to leave you out because they already have enough in their minds. Well, Clemson's not a really good basketball program. What have they done in the last 20 years? We're going to leave them out if they have anything that, that sort of a blemish on their resume. They've got a couple already. This would be another one. You've got to beat Florida State. You've got to look impressive in doing so. I mean, Florida State's 8-18. Eight and 18. Take the, uh, the ACC record out of the mix. This is a bad, bad Seminoles team. Clemson needs to come out, put their foot on their throat early, and dominate this game. And then they also need to go to Louisville and dominate them on the road. And then come back home and figure out a way to beat Syracuse. They've got to have, in my opinion, they've got to have these next three before they go to NC State. These are critically important for their NCAA tournament hopes. You know, I would think beating and preparing for Syracuse would not be all that hard because it's the one team you play where you know for 40 minutes what they're going to do defensively. They're going to play True. the 2-3 zone, and they don't, they don't change from that. Now, because that's all they play, they play it extremely well, and they've got the athletes, the long, tall, lean athletes to play on the wings and make that zone defense tough for you. But I would think... You know, as a coach and a player, as you prepare for a Syracuse team in another week, you know what they're going to do. You should be able to figure out a way to attack it and attack it uh, successfully. But then again, that could be said for a whole bunch of teams that lose to Syracuse over the years. But 
First things first, got to take care of Florida State tonight uh, here at uh, Little John Coliseum. You know, Florida State has been, under Leonard Hamilton, in recent years, one of the better programs in the ACC. Oh, yeah. They've just dropped off this year. But Leonard Hamilton, since 2003, he is the fifth winningest coach in ACC history. He's got 403 wins in league play. So he's had really good teams. He's had teams that were, you know, ten players deep that he would openly rotate five guys in, five guys out at a time. But the well dried up considerably going into this season, and they have not been good from the opening tip. I mean, they they opened the season losing four of their first five, and actually they lost um, – uh, one, two, three, four. They lost ten. They lost ten of their first twelve. So they they dug themselves into a an early hole this season, and they've never recovered. They played Newberry in an exhibition game on October the twenty seventh, and only beat the Wolves by eight points. That might have been something of an indicator right there. Uh, they lost to Stetson to open the season. Then they lost to UCF. Then they lost to Troy. Then they lost to Florida. So they lost their first four real games. Um, They beat Mercer, and then they lost the next six. So they actually opened one and ten. So a very rugged start for them. Their best win would be against, um, looks like they beat Notre Dame. They've beaten Louisville. They've beaten Notre Dame. They've beaten Georgia Tech. Well, those are the dregs of the ACC this year. their best performance probably Pitt, came against Clemson oh, uh, when they did their win at Pitt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The win at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that would certainly stand out. No, wait a minute. Did they? No, they lost. Yeah, they did win at Pittsburgh, seventy-one yeah, sixty-four. But then they turned around and lost at home to Pittsburgh, eighty-three uh, seventy-five mm-hmm. in their last game on Saturday. They lost by eight. Now this Pittsburgh team's a lot better now than it was back when they played Florida State. Maybe better than it was. They're better now than they were when they played Clemson and lost at home. Uh, Pittsburgh was struggling early on, then all of a sudden they have figured some things out. and um, Lead the league. They're right up at the very top of the league right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a big opportunity for Clemson here to get back on the right track and to uh, pick up a win in ACC play. All right, let's just go to the phones, and let's go to Andy in Columbia to get things rolling tonight here on Sports Talk. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Mr. Corn, you were talking last night about the rules for SEC baseball and everything with the clocks and all that. Mm-hmm. But you didn't mention that they were going to have a pitch clock or not. Uh, I thought I did mention that there is going to be a... Um, you said there's going to be uh, one for the batter. To yeah. Come into the, to the batter box, but you never say anything. Well, they've already had a pitch about... clock. They've already had a pitch clock in SEC games. They've had a twenty-second pitch clock. So where are they going to put all these clocks? I mean, <laughs> you know, a pitch clock over here, a batter, a batter getting into the box uh, clock over here. Then you're going to have a clock for the for when someone comes out to the mound to talk to the pitcher. I mean, there's going to be clocks everywhere. Yeah. You know, that's a very good question. Uh, I imagine it's just something the umpire is going to have to keep on the field. I can't imagine there's going to be a bunch of clocks all over the place. I guess the umpire will keep, will have a, a stopwatch or 
you know, maybe one umpire will be assigned to one, and another umpire will have a, a clock to be assigned to something else. I, I, I can't really tell you that until we see how it plays out. I can see the, or hear the fans now in the stands counting one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, counting it down. <laughs> They're asking for some stuff now. My another comment, Gigi Jackson. I think the young man would have been much better off if he would be up at UMass with Coach Frank right now. I think that he that would be more of a coach to be able to um, put a little bit more of a boot up his rear end. And I think Gigi wanted to play for Frank for all that time. And I think he would have been in a much better position than that. Now, transferring in basketball, is there, do you have to sit out a year? Uh I, no, I, no it, you got your one free pass yep. just like you do in football. So yeah, well, he could he I'm, could up and any of them could up and leave after this season. We got to hit the hit the break, Andy. We appreciate the phone call. We'll be right back. We are back on Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Wednesday night. We're up at Little John Coliseum. Clemson, Florida State going to tip it off a little bit after 7 o'clock. We have got Coach Todd Interdomato from Wofford coming up a little bit after 7. Talk about the Terrier baseball team. Comments from Clemson baseball coach Eric Backish as well. And also coming up, some comments from Lamont Paris. Also, our recruiting report coming up for you. Just a few minutes. You can join us, 888-898. 2525 South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to reach us here on the program. Do we have Keith in Camden with us next? I do believe. Keith? No, 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 no. Not Keith. Okay. I thought Keith was standing by for us, so we don't have that. So our lines are open. 888 898 is a number. Let me uh, check on the other basketball around the SEC, ACC tonight. As we head down the stretch and uh, look ahead to the uh, tournaments coming up here in just a few weeks. And uh, we'll be having all the tournaments covered for you. I'll be at the ACC this year. Uh, Smitty's going to be at the SEC for as long as the Gamecocks are there. I told him one change of underwear should be sufficient. (laughs) No, 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 no. They're not playing in Columbia. I wouldn't count those guys out. They may make a Cinderella run in their black jerseys. Oh, just because they're on the road, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else do we have in uh, the uh, the basketball schedule tonight? Let's see, around the ACC, besides this one, Virginia will play at Louisville, and Virginia Tech will play at Georgia Tech. All three games tipping off at 7 o'clock tonight. Nice way to divide up your, your audience there. Uh, we've got uh, Furman and Citadel playing tonight. High Point in Presbyterian, Mercer and Wofford. Also, we've got uh, Longwood and Upstate. In the SEC, this should be a good one, at least on paper. Alabama, Tennessee. See what Alabama can do as the number one team in the country in Tennessee, seeking to um, bounce back from a loss to Missouri, I think it was, on Saturday. Uh, also, you got Ole Miss and Florida playing tonight in the SEC. 
Now, last night, South Carolina Vanderbilt, we talked about it earlier. The Gamecocks just fell behind from the get. Well, they did lead 2-0, and then Vanderbilt hit them with a punch, and the Gamecocks were practically knocked out. They were wobbled, and they wobbled in to halftime. They were down by about 20, and really never made a, a serious run at Vanderbilt in the second half. You know, got it down to what, 11, I think, was maybe as close as they got in the second half. And so the losing streak at home uh, continues for the Gamecocks. And, you know, the good feeling that they had built by winning that game at Ole Miss just evaporated with that loss. Here is some of what uh, Gamecock head coach Lamont Paris said right after the game, talking to the media and talking about how, you know, Vanderbilt just came out with that hot start and his guys uh, just did not respond accordingly. The problem is they got a lot more shots than us because they were on the offensive glass. And, uh, you know, if you, if you do what we did in this game and give up 22-second chance opportunities, this is this is still basketball. I, it's just not a recipe for winning the game. But we got off to a rough start, um, you know, played a poor, a poor first half. But honestly... We were fortunate for it to be 20 points at halftime, which is, which you know, to me, I, I'm excited about that, and I mentioned that to the team. After all the things that we did, uh, um, there was some frustration on guys of not playing well. We didn't attack the basket in the first half, and after all that and all the dust settled, guys, we look up and it's 20. It's only 20. 20, this is basketball. Things happen quickly, and they did in the second half. We come right out. It goes from 20 to 14 quickly, goes back up to 22, and we work our way back down to nine. So it's basketball. Guys have a hard time remembering how quickly things change in basketball. Um, and so I, I did think we fought well in the second half. I was happy with what we did in the second half. And um, it just was such an uphill battle uh, that it was going to take, a, take a, 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 an even better effort in the second half to, to, to win the game. Lamont, um, in the second half, it seemed like Gigi was, again, real frustrated, taking off his wrist tape, kind of sitting at the end of the bench. Just what have your conversations been like with him as he's had some, you know, off-the-court moments lately? Yeah, I didn't notice any of that, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm into the game and the guys, that, the five guys that are on the court usually, and occasionally I'll spend a little bit of time with the guys that are on the bench if something in the game pertains to them. So I didn't notice any of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure he was frustrated. Uh, you know, he didn't play particularly well. It happens to everyone. And, um, you know, so we made some – We I, I played some guys in the second half that, that were uh, – you know, my job ultimately is to try to win the basketball game and, to, and there's, some, there's some buttons I get to push. Uh, I don't get to make layups. I don't get to pass it to guys. But I do get to push a couple buttons. Some of them have to do with personnel, combinations that are in at the right time, you know, a couple things that we're going to run and we're going to be man or zone. And, and I thought our best chance at that point was, a, was, was that group that we had that started to half. <clears throat> you know, we made a run. Uh, Hayden turned it over, and that ended the run. We made a couple substitutions. Uh, they went on a run. And so I subbed back, and then we started clawing our way back. And that's ultimately that's what it, it boiled down to. And But, um, you know, guys get frustrated uh, sometimes at poor play or whatever it is, you know. Uh, but frustration's never great for an athlete. Once it sets in, it's, it can be an athlete's worst enemy.
Uh, Hayden Brown was in here uh, just a second ago saying he thought it was kind of a problem with effort and will on the defensive rebounding. Did you see it that way? And if so, kind of what do you do to fix that going into these last five games? Um, yeah, some of it. Some of it's determination. I mean, some of it is is going after the ball, pursuit of the ball, pursuit of defensive rebounds. You know, we talked to Josh about that um, <clears throat> uh, two games ago, and then he had 10 defensive rebounds um, in the last game. So some of it has to do with that. Some of it has to do with our blockouts, you know, physical blockouts and, and maintaining that blockout. A couple times it'll be because the rebound came off in a way that it's advantage offense. That happens from time to time, too. It doesn't happen to the tune of 22 second-chance points very often, so I don't think that was the case. But, um, yeah, fixing it is just just guys have to make a recommitment to to that part of the game. Uh, you know, it's funny. I get and we have the scouting reports and, and the poor assistant coaches, you know, we're going over the personnel. And this guy goes to the board, so you have to block him out, right? It's when I said, well, tell me the guy that doesn't, that you don't have to block out. You have to block out. It's basketball. No matter what you do, no matter how good the, the possession is, it ends in one of a couple ways. It either goes in, right, when you're on defense, it either goes in the, the basket, uh, uh, they turn it over, or ultimately you have to rebound it. You have to rebound the basketball. And we did not do a good job once we got a stop, whether it was because of good defense or bad defense and they missed a shot, we did not secure the rebounds. And so, you know, we've had other games where we defensive rebounded really well. I just you have to do it. I don't, it's not me yelling you into doing it. I don't think it's a, uh, uh, um, an issue where we don't value what, what a defensive rebound means. You have to just do it. You have to do it. And so, you know, we'll have to do it better. All right, there you go. That's some of Coach Lamont Paris from last night. Yeah, the Gamecocks got crushed on the boards, 48-34, including 19 offensive rebounds. And remember, Chris, we were talking about last night following the game how crazy Vanderbilt was with their outside shooting. They took 28 three-point attempts in the first half. They finished with 37, 10 of 37. Ordinarily, that's not all that bad from a defensive standpoint, I guess. You would say, you know, a team hitting 10 out of 37, that's about 26, 27% just off the top of my head. So you'd feel pretty good about that. Um but they made the most of it in the first half. They hit seven of those three-pointers in the first half when they were building that lead. Yeah, the game was over at halftime, and uh, Lamont Paris got, I, I guess, tongue-in-cheek, but also said he was pleased with his team as poorly as they had played in the first half. They were only down 20. And part of that was the fact they just could not guard the three, couldn't rebound the basketball. And in the second half, I think Jerry Stackhouse may have made a slight adjustment and said, guys, We've got the comfortable margin here. We don't have to continue to bomb away from the outside. Even though we're dominating the glass, let's, I don't know, try and go inside and get some more high-percentage shots. And if you look at their shooting in the second half, they cut down on the amount of threes, but they got better shots and shot almost 10% uh, 10 percentage points better in the second half than in the first half. I thought it was a pretty smart move on Stackhouse's part to make sure his team was able to massage that lead to the end. Yeah. All right, so a good road win for Vanderbilt. I mean, any road win is a good road win, just like South Carolina's win at Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is not that that good of a team. Uh, it was a good road win for them on Saturday, but then they just kind of gave it back with that performance last night. Okay, we'll hit the break, and when we come back, we'll dive into the recruiting report for tonight. And as we approach the top of the hour, I'll give way to Chris and Pat back in Columbia. They'll 
take you through the second hour. I will do a couple of updates from here in the second hour. Coach Todd Interdonato from Wofford, the baseball coach there, very fine coach. Uh, we'll join the guys a little bit after 7 o'clock, talk about his team with college baseball season ready to crank it up. The road to Omaha begins on Friday for the D1 teams. We'll be back in a moment. Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500, or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. Okay, to the recruiting report from here at Little John, brought to you by Seawells. Seawells, of course, has the daily luncheon buffet for you once again tomorrow, 11 o'clock till 2. And make plans to get over there and have yourself a great lunch for only $13. You know the spread is outstanding. We recommend it highly. And, of course, Friday, in all likelihood, unless Pat tells me otherwise, we're looking at a roast beef Friday opportunity for you. So put that on your calendar. And, of course, if you've got something coming up requires the very best in the catering business, then it is Seawells, the place to call, 803-771-7385 and online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. A player Clemson is strongly involved with, defensive end Christopher C.J. Jackson, 6'4", 220, out of Tucker, Georgia. has been a frequent visitor to Clemson. was there in the summer, and he met with defensive ends coach Lamansky Hall. Returned for the Miami game in November. He was back for the junior day on January 28th. He was already feeling pretty good about his relationship with Hall and what he had seen at Clemson. But that Saturday on the campus uh, really trumped everything he had experienced before. He said it was a great experience, his fourth time there, actually. He's very familiar with the place. He really gets a family feeling and a great vibe from the coaches. He's impressed with their graduation rate of 98%, and that's very important for him. In his recruiting process, the academics will be key for him when he gets down to making that decision. He also had a chance to talk with Lemansky Hall in his office uh, with just one other defensive end recruit. He's impressed by the fact that Clemson doesn't put out a lot of offers. And if you get one from Clemson, he said, it means they think they think you're really good. And, uh, and so he doesn't have to hear from the coaches about how good he is he knows if he's getting an offer from them they think he's pretty good and can play for them so Clemson's very much on his mind he's going to take some more visits in the spring with a summertime decision Clemson will be right in there though he doesn't have a top five or a top ten yet 
But he says Clemson has always been up there with him even before he had the offer from them. And he is uh, going to um, take some other visits. He was at Georgia Tech in January. He's got a March 4th visit to Alabama. South Carolina's been talking to him, and he said he'll plan to visit there. Also, Southern Cal, LSU, Georgia, another trip to Clemson is on his mind as well. If you missed it last night from talking to his coach at Greenville High School, offensive guard Blake Franks appears to be looking at February 20th for his commitment announcement. That's from Coach Greg Porter. That is the birthday of Frank's mother. So he wants to tie the two in together. Also, uh, Coach believes that Franks has made his decision between USC and Clemson with Auburn that third option. He made visits to all three schools in January. Big factor in his decision, maybe the biggest factor, the engineering program at each schools, at each of the schools and how he felt about them individually. Uh, USC's in the top nine with defensive end Booker Pickett of Tampa, who had 52 sacks the last two seasons combined. The others are Southern Cal, Louisville, Tennessee, Penn State, Florida State, Miami, Georgia, and Ohio State. USC's in the top 15 with tight end defensive end Kylan Fox of Loganville, Georgia. He also has Florida State, Tennessee, Colorado, Miami, Louisville, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Cincinnati, Stanford, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Florida, Ohio State, and Alabama. USC's in the top 10 with linebacker Xavier Hamilton of Navarre, Florida, Georgia, Arkansas, Kansas, Michigan State, UCF, Florida State, Auburn, LSU, Notre Dame, his other schools. Running back Braylon Russell of Benton, Arkansas, has USC in his top 10 with Ole Miss, Purdue, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Kansas State, Cincinnati, Kansas, and Tennessee. Clemson target cornerback Ashton Hampton was offered by Tennessee and Purdue. Offensive tackle Jamile Allen of Buford, Georgia, who had an offer from USC, named the top five of NC State, Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Virginia. USC target safety Cameron Michael was offered by Auburn. Another USC target receiver Courtney Crutchfield was offered by Auburn. USC target tight end Caleb Odom was offered by Virginia. USC offered 2025 corner Shamari Earls, 6'2", 180, of Chester, Virginia. According to 24-7 Sports, wide receiver Amari Jefferson plans to visit Clemson March 18th. He also plans to visit Alabama and Georgia in March, and he's looking at possible trips to Tennessee and to Colorado. He visited USC in January. Clemson target offensive tackle Daniel Calhoun told on three he'll take official visits to Georgia June 3rd and Alabama June 10th. He also has in his top ten Oklahoma, Florida, Florida State, Ohio State, Tennessee, Texas, and LSU. Clemson target defensive end Solomon Williams was offered by Notre Dame. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter was offered by Auburn. Riverside defensive tackle Marcus Downs was offered by Miami. And Sumter defensive tackle Calvin Harvin committed last week to Kentucky Christian. All right, there you go with the recruiting report tonight. Brought to you by Seawells from here at Little John Coliseum. Florida State is on the floor warming up, and the Tigers are starting to – they have a camera that lets you see the Clemson basketball team come out of their locker room and walk down the hallway leading to the (laughs) arena. And so we're watching the Tigers uh, dribble down that hallway and walk towards the arena. It's pretty uh, enlightening stuff. 
like the uh, bus, <clears throat> they follow the bus around from uh, the locker room at, at Death Valley to the uh, hill. Same scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Have that camera. This this is a lot calmer than all of <laughs> I that. I imagine so. Are they this playing laser tag in the background, too? While you were going through the recruiting report, it sounded like they were having a laser tag game in the background. I don't know. There's a lot of noise out there. A lot of noise (laughs) out there. Uh, Conway High School has named their new football coach, according to Maori News, citing multiple sources, Lamar coach Josh Pierce was selected by a search committee to take over the program, and his name will be formally presented to the Board of Education on Monday for final approval. So no one has commented on that. They're signing sources. Pierce has been the head coach at Lamar for just 11 months. Mm-hmm. He was their defensive coordinator prior to that. Of course, we know Lamar has an outstanding program and uh, annually produces uh, quality teams. So it looks like Conway has, has found their coach. By the way, speaking of that, uh, we will be in Myrtle Beach uh, tomorrow night. And Friday night, tomorrow night we'll be flying solo. In other words, it won't be anywhere important. But on Friday, we'll be with the coaches at the coaches' clinic over at the Sheridan. Uh, what is that? Sheridan Four Seasons, I think it is. Right there sure. on the Intracoastal Waterway. So uh, we'll be there, and there'll be coaches from South Carolina, Clemson uh, in the house. Uh, I think they'll be there Friday night, but they – they don't speak until Saturday, but we'll grab who we can grab, high school coaches, college coaches, whatever the case may be. We'll get who we can get and bring that to you. Uh, let's go to Bruce in Missouri. We're heading up towards the top of the hour. I may have to shut it down here when the national anthem starts, but Bruce, go right ahead, please. Okay, Phil, real fast. I want to do the Black History Month thing, uh, honoring um, – the head coach for the Gamecock base, uh, girls' women's basketball team, and she gets to wear her jersey when uh, they play in the game, and that's an honor to be able to wear her jersey at the basketball game and representing the Gamecocks uh, with that uh, Philadelphia jersey. Anyway, also on the other side of uh, Black History Month, there's another lady who wears her uniform every day that's uh, allocated to her, and she wears it. They got to wear it every day. And she's in housing. And um, she comes in one day and wearing a little pin on her lapel. And uh, they start complaining about the pin on the on the girl's uh, uniform. And finally, she gets uh, three warnings from administration to not wear that pin at work. Well, she kept wearing it because it was her duty to wear that pin. And they gave her a choice to either be fired or resign at the end of the month. So she decided to go ahead and resign at the end of the month because she kept wearing that pin. That was her team. And uh, they didn't want that uh, pin being seen during work. So I honor that lady. I cannot where, 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 give where the did name. This happen? Where did this happen? At Clemson. At Clemson. This year. So that you're Clemson, saying you're saying she worked in housing. She worked in housing yeah. up at Clemson a long time, and she decides to wear this pin on her lapel in the uniform they wear, and everybody wears tattoos and stuff. They got you know they might wear jerseys underneath the uniform and showing the jerseys every now and then, but you know she couldn't wear the pin. So they they gave her a choice 
to be fired or resign at the end of the month. Mm. And so she decided to go ahead and resign her position, and I'm giving her honor in Black History Month. She stood her ground. But okay. she paid a price to stand her ground. But she did the same thing your basketball, ladies' basketball coach did, Staley, when uh, she's not going to get fired. In fact, she's filled up the whole stadium with that jersey on. So thank you for letting me talk about the uh, Black History Month. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Uh, I'm going to toss it to you, Chris, and the Pat National Anthem's about to be played here, so I'm going to go quiet. But you guys can talk about that. All right. Sounds good, Phil. Enjoy the game. We'll check back in with you in a little while, Phil, at Little John Coliseum. I, I wish Bruce had stayed on for a little bit longer, Pat. I'd, I'd be curious what the pin is. I, he never referenced what pin. I didn't understand the correlation to begin with with Don Staley wearing the Philadelphia Eagles jersey and how that was fine, but the lady at Clemson working in housing was wearing a pin and she was ultimately fired. I mean, Don Staley's job was never in jeopardy. I, I didn't quite get that correlation, but did he, I, did he even reference what the pin was? I mean, was it a tiger pin? I, I didn't quite get that part. He did not, but actually he, he is still there if we want to clarify that real quick. Bruce, are you still with us right now? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, Do you well, mind just clarifying I, yeah, I that? Yeah. It was the, the Bars and Stars pin, the Confederate flag pin. Aha. Uh-huh. That's all. But she found well, out the truth about the flag, and she wanted to wear it. It's a, it is a religious flag. It's the, bar, the Bars and Stars. The cross is St. Andrew's cross. That's what that Bars and Stars is about. Okay. Well, I appreciate the clarification, Bruce. We're going to have to hit the top of the hour. I think it's fairly obvious, though, Pat. Everybody can understand why she was probably given an ultimatum there with the Stars and Bars. It, regardless of that symbol, it carries a lot of weight with it and a lot of it negative weight. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fair. The, the correlation between that and Don Staley wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, though, is is outlandish. I, I didn't quite understand that at all. All right, time of the hour break. We'll come back. More of your phone calls to come. Plus, Wofford head baseball coach Todd Intradonato. He joins us after this on Sports Talk. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. And back we are, Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network all across the great state of South Carolina on an unseasonably warm Wednesday afternoon. Kind of hard to believe we're still in the wintertime portion of the season, but athletics tells us otherwise because baseball season is about to begin at the Division I level, and Todd Interdonado is about to join us here in just a couple of seconds. Chris Bergen here in our studios in Florence. Meantime, Pat Daniel taking care of business back home in our Columbia studios. Phil Kornblut up at Little John Coliseum. Phil was with us during the first hour of the program. He has jumped off to watch Clemson and Florida State. They are just underway and the Seminoles have an early 3-2 to two lead on the Tigers in a game Clemson has to win and I think has to look pretty impressive in doing so over the next couple of ball games. We'll let you hear back from Phil a little bit later on this hour. 888 if you'd like to join us on the show, 888 898 
25 is our South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. But I talked about how beautiful the weather is across the state here the uh, next couple of days. Of course, looking towards the weekend, rain might be in the forecast. That's a four-letter word for this gentleman and his counterparts across the country as Division One baseball gets ready to crank up. And that includes at Wofford College, a team we followed with great interest last year. Felt like they were an NCAA tournament team. They were. The NCAA just didn't realize it. As we say hello to the head baseball coach now entering his 16th season as the head boss of the uh, Terriers, Todd Interdonato, back to Sports Talk here this evening. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. Always enjoy chatting with you. So after what occurred with your baseball team last year in such a solid year coming to a bitter end, I'm sure, not making the NCAA tournament, how was your offseason in trying to retool and get back to the Southern Conference championship level you had last year? Well, the summer was pretty miserable. Um, you know, my wife and I said pretty regularly we never thought 42 and 16 would turn into a summer of tears and misery, but it did. Um, but then once you get back to campus in early September, you know, you kind of take a deep breath, for lack of a better word. You just kind of take a deep breath, reset, and say, all right, like, you know, the climb starts over again. So, but we've had a great, we've had a great fall. We've had a great pre-spring. Um, you guys mentioned the weather's been good. You know, so we've been able to, to get a lot of good work in, and, you know, we're just looking forward to Friday. What do you like most about your team thus far? I would assume there are still some unknowns, but going into the season opener on Friday, what do you like most about your club? It's a tough group, man. This is just a tough group. I was having a conversation with a coaching friend today, and, you know, this is my 18th year here, and, you know, this is, this is the hardest I've ever coached a team, um, and I think this is the hardest our staff has ever coached a team, and I feel like they've just – embrace it so you know i like their toughness i like their resiliency you know they seem they seem to be confident at this point um so i would i would tell you that's what i like most about them Todd Interdonado, the head baseball coach at Wofford College, our special guest here tonight. Wofford getting set to open up the baseball season as all their counterparts at the Division One level are on Friday. They'll host Southern Illinois this coming weekend in a three-game set. We'll talk about the schedule momentarily. And, Coach, you talked about coaching your team as hard as you ever have at Wofford. What, what exactly does that mean? How hard have you coached your team? What have you done that maybe is a little bit different than what you've done in the past? You know, I think we're a pretty. I think we're a pretty demanding group. Um, you know, especially when you look at what those guys have to deal with academically. Um, you know, our guys aren't taking fake classes and allowed to. You know, out at 11 a.m. Um, you know, those guys are challenged on the other side of campus just as hard as they are on our side. Um, you know, but just really talking about, you know, just putting more things in earlier, trying to coach to a, a higher IQ than we have in the past. Um, you know, just a higher standard, a little bit higher level of expectation you know, a little more demanding, uh, a little more in the details, um, just, you know, just a little more, a little more of an edge, I guess you would say. Um, I would tell you collectively that, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think this program um, will ever be the same after what everything that transpired last year. And, you know, we've always, you know, we've always felt like the little brother, um, you know, we've always felt like, you know, we're not taking that seriously because we're at a high academic school and we're a mid-major school. And that proved to be right on a national stage last year being left out. And I can tell you, man, our, our guys are pissed. Like, like they're pissed. Like there's, there's nothing like, oh, that was a great year. Oh, shucks. We just missed out. I mean, there's a lot of MFing and, you know, a lot of bitter feelings. And a lot of those guys are still here. And I don't, I don't feel like a lot of them have let go of it. 
I can't blame them, Coach. I feel the same way. I was so disappointed that your team did not get qualified for the NCAA tournament, not just the record, and I was talking with Phil about this earlier, and we certainly referenced it last year. You had some quality non-conference wins, most notably that series victory at Dallas Baptist. Did you ever get an explanation from anybody on the committee? My guess is probably no. As to what was the biggest blemish on your record, on your resume? Um, you know, I, I never asked. Um, you know, I never asked. Um, you know, I got, you know, I got a phone call from, you know, the committee members, the head of the committee, um, you know, and they, they, uh, I think the line from was, Hey, we really appreciate you handling this professionally. And I think my line was, I have not handled this professionally. I just didn't call you and let you know how I handled it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I just, look, I, I think you don't get an explanation because everybody knows it's the logo. Like, it, it's not the resume, it's not the RPI, it's not the win and loss, it's not how we won the league, like, it's our logo. Like, so anybody can say whatever they want, but our logo kept us out, and I can't change our logo. Todd Interdonato, the head baseball coach at Wofford College, the Terrier logo getting on display here tonight on uh, Sports Talk as they get ready to open up the season. All right, with that as the backdrop, Coach, how do you get back with the current team you have and maybe take it to that next step? Walk us through some of the guys you're going to be counting on and some of those guys who maybe are playing with a chip on their shoulder after what happened last year. So, you know, the, you know everything obviously in our sports starts on the mound. And, you know, we return our Friday night starter in Matthew Marshall. And, you know, he had a phenomenal year last year. Uh, I thought he had a case to be the SOCOM pitcher of the year last year. Um, you know, didn't get it, which was fine. There were a lot of good candidates. You know, he's been nominated as the preseason pitcher of the year, and, you know, he looks as good as he's ever looked. So we are extremely confident being able to play behind him. You know, having, that, having a guy like that that can go out there in game one of every series and you feel like it's going to be better than whoever he's matched up against is obviously a huge advantage. Bringing back Colson Buchanan, who started as a freshman last year, which is no small feat on the weekends. You know, he's able to return and, you know, he'll slide into that number two spot with just having that experience, you know, and his success really bodes well. And then you go down and and look in the bullpen between a guy like Luke Stevens and Holden Wilder, guys that, you know, were able to pitch late in games. And, you know, I would tell you that, you know, Luke was probably our most reliable pitcher in the last month of the season. And being able to bring him back and and have him there is is great. So, you know, that is on the pitching side of the ball. And then on the position player side, you know, Ryan Galaney, who, you know, I think has player of the year potential. Um, You know, he's back. He'll hit in the middle of our lineup. Jack Renwick anchors our our infield playing at shortstop. And then a guy like Trey Younger. And then, you know, we've, we've added some good pieces and Bryce Martinez. I mean, we just... You know, everybody, you know, I feel like the joke is like, oh, you, you know, you lost some guys and you're like, well, well yeah, like they graduate. <laughs> like this isn't, not everybody's <laughs> on a 10 year deal. So, you know, and shockingly, we saw graduation coming. Like we were, we were ready for that. It wasn't like they departed free agency out of nowhere. Um, so you just, you know, you just feel good about your group. And, but at the end of the day, I mean, it just, it just comes down to, it just comes down to if those guys can build real time in season confidence because, that was, you know, we started two and five last year, and then I think we ripped off like 28 out of 31. And you couldn't have convinced them they were a bad team. Like it, it, if I stood up in the front of the room last year and told them they weren't very good and not that talented, they would have they laughed at me. And that's just, I think, the challenge of every program around the country is you got to get those guys confident in season, and that's the biggest determining factor. 
Wanted to circle back and maybe peel back the onion a touch on Matthew Marshall. He had 93 strikeouts for your club last year, just a dominating performance against just 12 walks, which is phenomenal. But here's a young man who started his career at Furman. When they dropped the baseball program, how did you ultimately get him to basically just come across town to join your, uh, join your squad? Well, you know, being a local kid, you know, from right here in the upstate, you know, we certainly, you know, we certainly recruited him, knew about him, um, knew who he was, knew his family. And then, you know, obviously it worked out where he, where he went to Furman, which, you know, obviously is a great choice. And, you know, Brett Harker and I are neighbors and good friends. So he mm-hmm. went to play for a great dude. Um, so you couldn't, you know, you're just like, yeah, like he goes to Furman, like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, he didn't go to Wofford, he went to Furman. Like, so you're, you're okay with that. Um, but then it was, you know, when that, when that program was dropped, I mean, we, we could have a whole segment on how much, you know, how ridiculous of a decision that was and how they got there. And I still can't believe it's even a real thing. Um, but it was just so bizarre because, you know, I called Brett, you know, immediately and, you know, just, hey, man, you okay? What can you do? And this and that. And, he, and you know, he's still in shock and, the next day he calls me, he's like, Hey man, here are the guys I think you need to recruit. And I'm like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah. Like, and I go, like, I'm not even ready to talk about that. He goes, I am. And he's like, I just, you know, I want to help these guys and whatever. And you know, his, his was the first name that came, you know, came out. He's like, look, man, I know, you know who he is. Um, you know, and, he, and Matthew hardly pitched at Furman. I mean, he was there for, you know, 15 games. I mean, we, we played 17 games. I don't even know what Furman played that year. I'm assuming something similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I said, okay, you know, I said, you know, I trust you, you know, whatever, blah, blah. So, you know, it worked out and he came over. Um, and to tell you the truth, his first year here in 21, like if you go back and look at his numbers in 21, I mean, I think it's nice saying they were pedestrian. And then there was just a, you know, there was just a jump, um, you know, from, from that sophomore year into his, you know, into his junior fall, he came back his junior fall and it was, it was a different dude. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I mean, am I going to sit here and say that Furman not having a baseball team hasn't helped us? Like, no, that's ridiculous. Like now we're the only private school in the upstate playing division one baseball. Like, of course that helps us. But if you'd ask me if I'd rather have them there, like, yeah, I'd rather have them there than not there. Cause I think it's a travesty that Furman doesn't have baseball. Coach, SoCon's already a tough enough conference, and you guys seem to have a tough non-conference schedule each year. So this isn't exactly new, but just looking through your schedule, I see non-conference games, Michigan State, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, Wake Forest, at Tennessee, which really stuck out to me. You guys are predicted to win the conference, to win and and get that automatic bid. But, and again, this is all just projections. D1 Baseball has y'all projected currently as the four seed in the Gainesville, Florida region, so down there with the Gators. Even if you were to win the conference and have this tough of of a non-conference schedule, does that still feel like a bit bit of a slap to you? Uh, Going back to what you mentioned a moment ago with you can't change the logo. If you guys were to win the SoCon beat some of these big-name non-conference teams and still only get a four-seed in Florida, how would you feel about that? Well, let me tell you what those projections mean, okay? Those, those projections mean absolutely zero because I'll tell you going in Sunday morning, going in Sunday morning, going into Sunday morning, we were projected as a two-seed on Baseball America, and then we lose in the conference championship game, and then we're a five-seed, which doesn't exist. So – 
to say I could not care less about those projections is, is me being very polite and courteous. And I think if, you know, we go through this year and we have the year that, you know, we have the year that puts us in a position and we have that, like, yeah, you're, you're not a, you're not a four seed. So, but at the end of the day, like, you know, we talk about it all the time. We, we have three, we have three objectives every year win the regular season, put together a resume, a full season resume that gets you in the conversation for an at-large bid and win the tournament. Those are three separate things. And last year we did two of the three. And when you leave it in somebody else's hands, this is what happens. And this is the reality of being at Wofford College. This is the reality of being a, a school without sex appeal. And that's it. Like, if we wanted to change it, and I, I'll tell you right now, had we won one of those games on Sunday, we might have been a two seed in, in last year's regional. It's a 35 RPI or wherever we ended up, you know, would have landed 30, 31 RPI. Like, we could have been a two seed. But as soon as you put it in somebody else's hands, it's easier to put a logo that everybody recognizes. Todd Interdonato, the head baseball coach at Wofford, joining us for a couple of more minutes here on Sports Talk as we look forward to the start of the D1 baseball season. The Terriers will open up at home against Southern Illinois on Friday at 5.30, Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m., and then on Sunday at 1 o'clock. And uh, Coach wanted to get your take on something we discussed with Gary Gilmore down at Coastal Carolina last week. We were talking about, obviously, name, image, and likeness in, in the changing landscape in college athletics, certainly focusing in on baseball and he envisioned, quite frankly, painted somewhat of a bleak picture for programs like yours at the mid-major level, for lack of a, an unfortunate term. But, but I think fans understand what that means. But he was looking at a team like LSU, and he actually called them a triple-A team with the roster that they have. Do you envision a scenario on down the lo- road, like I think Coach Gilmore does, where a run like they had in 2016 or a run that uh, teams at your level can get to the <clears> – <throat> excuse me, to get to the College World Series or – uh, uh, super regional may not exist anymore because uh, name, image, and likeness has almost priced you guys out of that opportunity. It's interesting. I mean, it's certainly interesting. That's you know, and I, I will not take the easy way out on that question. You know, the easy way out is well, it's interesting, and we'll see what happens. And you know, you never know. And blah 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 blah. You know, I don't think you know unintended consequences. I feel like is you know the, a great term to put on this. And you know, name, image, and NIL, name, image, and likeness, was written up so a guy who had star power could could go earn money through marketing, through promotions, like a professional athlete. It was never envisioned to just write a kid a check. That was that was not the intention of NIL. NIL was you know having like you go back to somebody like us. Like NIL was written for a guy like Eric Breitenstein, where Eric Breitenstein in the Spartanburg community had star power. He goes and does a car commercial. He goes and does something, and he makes money. Like, that's the original intention of NIL. And then all of a sudden, exactly what happens with everything else, people find a loophole, and now they're just writing checks. And I personally do not think it will ever get to that level because I think what's going to happen is already people are saying, yeah, yeah, this isn't what's intended. This, this is, I, I don't think this is sustainable. I do not think this is sustainable. And I think eventually it will get corralled. You know, I, I don't agree with the term that the horse has left the barn and this is what it is. Like, I do think it'll get managed. I do think it'll get corralled. Um, but right now it's just, I mean, eventually you're just going to have donors that, that, yeah, we're not giving that kid, you know, we're not giving a baseball player $800,000. Like, we're not. 
Like we're just we're just not doing that. And or I think it gets legislated or I think it gets corralled and you got a new NCAA president coming in. So, you know, I, I just think there's way too much unknown. And I do think it actually, you know, like I said, gets handled. But I had this conversation today, like, make no mistake about it. You cannot legislate morality. You can't write enough legislation to make somebody have a moral compass. You cannot legislate morality. So no matter what you do, you are still going to have moral and immoral people, no matter how many rules you put in place. Todd Interdonato, the head baseball coach at Wofford College. If there is a, a team, if you don't have a team in the state that you root for regularly, folks, pull for that Terrier logo because these guys are awesome. They deserve to be in the NCAA tournament last year. And, Coach, we wish you all the best. Hopefully we don't have that same discussion at the end of this season. Let's talk about you guys being in the NCAA tournament come June. <laughs> I, would, I would appreciate that conversation. And, like I said, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate everything. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate that as well. That guy is amazing. We could sit and talk baseball with him for two hours. We don't need Phil back. Pat, we could just leave Coach on. Uh, that guy is just incredible. Love listening to him talk baseball. And I love the fact that he is not afraid and unafraid to say exactly what he feels. And he felt like his team got screwed last year, for lack of a better. I mean, and that's exactly what he said. He said his guys are upset about it. And I would not want to be the first couple of weekends to face the Terriers because they may uh, take their frustrations out on uh, Southern Illinois this weekend before they take on uh, UNC Asheville uh, next Tuesday. All right, 888-898-2525. If you'd like to be on the uh, program, we'll talk a little more baseball. Final half hour of the show, we will hear from Eric Backage, head coach at Clemson. He met with the media yesterday about his first season go round with the uh, Tigers. We'll get his take on that coming up in uh, just a little bit. Plus, we'll check back in up at Little John with Phil Kornblut. Tigers off to a terrific start in a game they've got to have. Just under the 12-minute mark of the first half, Clemson already out in front of Florida State, 20-8. to They are shooting a robust 62% from the field. Tigers being led in scoring early by P.J. Hall already with nine points. He's actually beating Florida State by himself. Nine points in just seven minutes of play. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, go back up to uh, Little John, check in with Phil at the bottom of the hour and much more. Your phone calls to come as well, 888-898-2525 on a, a busy Wednesday here on Sports Talk. You join us on the other side. your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. 
Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right, back we are at Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a busy Wednesday. Again, our thanks to Todd Interdonato, the head baseball coach at Wofford. Really outstanding stuff. If you missed the interview, want to hear back portions of the show, anything else, we always put our programs into podcast form a couple of hours after the show. So you can download and listen via wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can always listen online at sportstalksc.com. Comments from Eric Backich, head baseball coach at Clemson, coming up after the bottom of the hour. Plus, trying to check back in up at Little John with Phil Kornblut. May do that on the opposite side of the break. By the way, the Citadel and Furman also playing tonight. Big ball game in the upstate as well. They are tied at the under eight media timeout by a score of 23-23. So uh, I'm not sure that uh, Furman, that pace is what they want to play, more so in uh, Citadel's pace early because of the way Furman shoots the uh, three ball. So uh, interesting stuff there. We'll keep you posted on all the basketball as we move through the evening. Some of the other news notes, our poll question of the week, since we are talking D1 baseball, it starts on Friday. Which Palmetto State team do you think is most likely to make it to Omaha? And, Pat, I'm glad we didn't actually mention this when Coach was on because Phil did not include Wofford in this mix. And judging by what – Coach Andrew Donato had to say it might be a situation. He's got a team that he feels like because just emotion alone, they can make it to Omaha. I love it. And we talk about how much confidence and momentum mean in sports. And I would argue baseball might have that above anything else. And also you mix in the superstition that we all love to see in the dugouts. This may be a driving force for them. And quite frankly, they don't need it because they're already incredibly talented. They're incredibly deep. They have good pitching, good fielding, good hitting. But then you sprinkle in a little bit of this on top of that, a little bit of payback, that may help propel them. I'm all for it. I loved everything about that, about that interview. <laughs> and playing for right, him, but, I can only imagine how great that must oh, be. Oh, it would be great. Uh, it, it would be great. It really would be. So with apologies to the Wofford Terriers, the choices up on our Twitter page are Clemson, Coastal Carolina, the College of Charleston, and USC. And right now the Gamecocks, overwhelming favorites of the four choices of our listeners of 735 votes thus far. The Gamecocks have 66% of that to make it all the way to Omaha. Tigers with 17%, Coastal at 11%, and the College of Charleston at 6%. You want to talk about a major turnaround season for South Carolina going from without NCAA tournament play at all last year all the way to the College World Series. That would be interesting. That would be quite a turnaround for Mark Kingston's team. All right, we'll talk Tiger baseball. Also hear from Phil at Little John. Second, final half hour, rather. Sports Talk is up next.
Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a Wednesday evening. As we approach 8 o'clock, we've got plenty of room for you at 888-898-2525. Chris Bergen here in Florence. Pat Daniel back in our Columbia studios and rejoining us from up at Little John Coliseum. The namesake of the program as the Clemson Tigers have gotten off to a terrific start out in front of Florida State. 29-12 to 12 is there about seven and a half minutes to go in the first half. So Phil Kornblut, obviously a terrific start for Brad Brownell's club. Yeah, they hit their first four shots of the game and they have not let up since then. In fact, P.J. Hall got the Tigers off to the hot start and he's not missed a shot. He's five for five from the floor. He's two for two from three. He's got a total of 12 points thus far, and the Tigers have a 29-13 lead with 7.27 to go in the opening half. Like I said, quick start for the Tigers. They have not taken their foot off the gas whatsoever, kept the turnovers to a minimum, winning the rebounding battle, whatever rebounds there are, and playing really good defense, holding Florida State to 36% shooting. So a great start for Clemson. The question is now can they maintain this high level of play against a Florida State team that's that's not very good. So Hall's got 12 on 5 of 5 from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3. He also has got 3 rebounds. Rest of the scoring's kind of spread out. Chase Hunter's 2 for 2 from the floor, 2 for 2 from the line. He's got 6 points and an assist. And Hunter Tyson has got 4 points. So the Tigers are a couple of guys uh, perfect from the floor thus far in Hunter and Hall, and again, some uh, accompanying offense from others. They are uh, increased their shooting now to 60%. That's 12 of 20 from the floor for the Tigers, and, and it'd be higher if they made their threes. They're only two of eight from uh, three-point land. So just a uh, good all-around start for Clemson, and they've kept it going here about six minutes to go, and Hemingway has just knocked down a deep three, and the Tigers are are running away with this one now 34 to 15 just a matter of how long they can keep their focus and uh, I'm sure Brad Brownell wants to maybe play uh, the starters together as much as possible while they're playing well to kind of get that good feeling get that good feeling back that uh, they've been missing with the the three-game losing streak but they're just getting contributions from everybody now everybody's coming into the ball game for Clemson is giving them something. Beatles come off the bench and giving them four points. And now it's a 36-15 to 15 game, and uh, Clemson's running away with this thing. While I've got the microphone, guys, and while we're talking basketball, if you'll give me just a moment here, the South Carolina Athletic Coaches Association, in conjunction with their counterparts from North Carolina, today announced their rosters for the Carolina's All-Star Classic basketball game that's March 25th in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina and I thought I would just quickly go over the rosters for the South Carolina teams if that's okay with everybody well you're the boss man you do what you want to do you do you we'll just follow along I'm waiting on permission (laughs) I said you do you you've got all the permission you do you and we'll follow along all right here you go South Carolina boys roster Montrevis White from Gray Collegiate, Christian Ori from Keenan, Sean Lindsay from Dorman, Arden Conyers from Westwood, Justin Britt from Goose Creek, Malachi Stevens from Oceanside Collegiate, 
Horace Jaquez from Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Brandon Crawford from Irmo, Jordan Butler, Christ Church, and Avante Parker from Great Collegiate. Head coach is Jerome Stewart, Timberland, assisted by Joshua Staley of Ridgeview. And the South Carolina girls roster, Jessica Means Saluda, Jessica Woods Westwood, Elena Nettles Somerville, Amaya Ferguson Timberland, Deja Ferguson Dorman, Yasmin Cook Stratford, Trinity Delaney AC Flora, Kamari Thompson Southside, Paris Smith North Augusta, Lindsey Garner Lexington, head coach Perry Stokes of East Clarendon, assisted by Jeanette Wilder from Saluda. So there you go, guys, with that. Again, that game, those games, two games coming up, Wilmington, North Carolina. used to be played in Myrtle Beach, but many years ago they gave it up and Wilmington took it, and they'll mm-hmm. play March 25th, the girls at three, with the boys to follow. Quick question on the Tigers before we let you run. It might be something to follow. You talked about everybody coming in and contributing. They have played 11 players already here in this first half. Do you think that's by design? Or is it the way the game has worked out and Brad Brownell feels comfortable enough to start going ahead and getting his second liners in as early as possible? Yeah, I think it's just the way the game is going. Mm-hmm. Um, they got off to such a good start. Um, and, and Florida State, I mean, the way Florida State's going right now, you play halfway decent against them here at home. You should be able to open up a lead. You should be able to go to your bench with freedom. And so he's been able to do that. It's 38-18, to 18, so... He's got that liberty now to go liberally uh, to his bench and work mm-hmm. in as many young players as possible. I imagine Beadle going to get some nice run here. Godfrey as well. Probably Wiggins will get a good bit of work. Um, Middlebrooks, uh, you know, he normally plays a good bit. He might get more than normal tonight. Uh, and you might see Hemingway, for example, get a little bit more work since he's just now coming off that injury a couple of Games ago, coming back, you want to get him as much work as possible. Hunter just knocked down another three. Hunter is five for five, two for two, and two for two. So he's got 14 points. Tigers are up 41-18, 3.39 to play in the half. Appreciate it, Phil. Go enjoy the ball game, and uh, we will see you again tomorrow night. Oh, I don't get to do another update before the top of the hour? If you'd like to. Yeah, no, I see no need. Do. I see no need. <laughs> I'm going to update. Uh, Florida you, State scored between now and then. You, 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 you and Pat want to hog the show. You go right ahead, show hogs. We, I heard. We'll come, uh, back and, we'll come back and get a halftime update before. No, no, we're no. Done. You don't have to. You, you really don't have to. I'll, I'll be. In fact, I'll be in line to get a diet coke in just a, in just <laughs> yeah, a minute or two. You. But the rumor making the run through Little John is that Coach Inter Donato uh, blew up the, the show tonight. He was incredible. I mean, he always is a good interview, but tonight was he was mid-season form before the season even began. He says that his team is still upset about what happened to them last year, the uh, screw job the NCAA gave them and the uh, committee not putting them in the tournament. They have not forgotten. Hmm. Does he have the team to back that up? That's a good question. He feels like he does, especially on the mound. They've got some quality pitching, and he feels pretty good about his team. Uh, that's always, you know, We'll find out for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I mean, they're they're the favorite in the SoCon again, so I would think so. Yeah. But last hey, year looks like that's going to be the fire to fuel this team going into this season. You got two teams in the state that really feel like they deserve to be an NCAA tournament team last year in Charleston and Wofford. And it's a shame that in Wofford's case, they had one bad day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. They good. had one bad day, and um, it cost them. They had a bad 
they had a bad Sunday afternoon, and it and it cost them. Uh, and so I imagine that that will uh, drive them quite a lot going into this season. If you heard Coach, he said that's exactly what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that would drive this Wofford team for sure. Chris, I think we may have actually lost our connection, connection with Phil. Did they unplug Phil. him? Did they unplug him? I didn't want to say that on air, but it, uh, <laughs> it kind of sounded like it a little bit. On it did, didn't it? I'm, I'm curious if they unplugged Phil, said, you've, you've talked enough, you're done. But to what so, he was uh, saying anyway. and what y'all were saying just real quick, uh, Wofford does have – they have five players – on the preseason all-conference team in the SOCON, including four first-team selections. So the folks that picked this list certainly think that Wofford has Mm -hmm. the horses to get it done this year. Three of those are position players, two infielders and an outfielder, then one reliever, and then, of course, their their star pitcher. uh, uh, I hope I'm saying it right. Matthew Marshall, who was picked as the preseason SOCON pitcher of the year. And a... You know, a casualty has found a, a way to get back into baseball off that Furman program that was disbanded a couple of years ago. That's right, and I think Phil has actually rejoined us. Phil, if you wanted to come in and sign off real quick. I unplugged myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens when you sit up here in the dark at the top of Little John Coliseum. I, I literally unplugged my cord by mistake. I don't know. It just – anyway, 41 – I'll, I'll give you one more update. Um, okay. 3.39 to go in the half. Clemson is up 41-18. to 18. One more look at the numbers. Tigers are shooting 64% at 16 of 25. 4 of 10 from 3. They're perfect from the line. 5 of 5. They've only turned it over 3 times. They have 4-6. They've turned into 12 points. Winning on the boards 15-6. to 6. 4 offensive rebounds. They've turned into 4 second chance points. In the paint, Clemson's up 20-8. to eight. Eight assists to two. They're winning, obviously, every possible category. Uh, again, you've got Hunter with 14 points and Hall with 12. Hall's out right now, but neither has missed a shot. Uh, Hunter is 5 of 5 from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3, and 2 of 2 from the line. And Hall is 5 of 5 from the floor and 2 of 2 from 3. He's got four rebounds as well. So everything's going Clemson's way right now, 41-19, clock running, and Tigers have got it on cruise control at this point. All right, Phil, good stuff, pal. And, of course, Phil will have all the uh, post-game features, story, and the audio up on our website at sportstalksc.com. Safe travels back from the upstate, my friend, and we will talk to you tomorrow night. Okay, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. That is Phil Cornblut live on Locale at Little John Coliseum where the Tigers are dismantling Florida State here in the first half, now up 43-19 to a 19 with about three minutes remaining. All right, Pat, let's go ahead and hit the break. And when we come back, we will uh, talk some uh, Clemson baseball towards the uh, top of the hour. Let's hear some thoughts from Eric Backage. Since we're in the baseball mode here tonight, especially back half of the program with uh, Coach Ider Donato up first, we'll bookend it with Eric Backage. His thoughts about his first installment of Clemson Tiger baseball his thoughts from yesterday. We'll let you hear what he has to say about his team as they get set to open the season on Friday as well. Plus, we may have room for you as well. The call or two, 888-898-2525. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports. And some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging. 
but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Timeout. All right. Remember, we're a team that plays together. Listen, the winning will take care of itself. We just have to get everyone involved. In interscholastic sports, we celebrate what makes every one of us unique. And in the pursuit of a common goal, everyone in the huddle, in the bleachers, and in the community comes together. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That's our South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And did you know that since two thousand and two, more than two point one million dollars in lottery funded scholarships, such as Life Hope and Palmetto Fellow scholarships, have been awarded to South Carolina students. Well, if you don't know, then learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com/slash/educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. And Pat, speaking of the lottery. Read a story earlier today. You remember the ridiculous, what was it, the Powerball that was over $2 billion? The winner is from California and actually came forward. Did not show up for the press conference, but they know who that person is. And that person accepted the lump sum, which was just under $1 billion after taxes. I think he only got 900 and something like $45 million. So the state... So the state of California won the lottery is what I'm hearing. Indeed. Indeed, they did. <laughs> wow. And the, the, the place where he bought the lottery ticket, how about this? You did nothing but just sell him a ticket. He got a million dollars himself. You know, good for him. I feel like if I won, I would absolutely go back and, and give a massive wad of cash to whoever, whomever sold me that ticket. Now, a million dollars, that's incredibly generous. But I guess if you no, won no, no, a no. billion. That, that came from the lottery, not from oh, the winner. Oh. The lottery actually gave I think it, it's across the, the nation. If you, sell, if you work for the lottery and sell lottery tickets and you have a, a cash jackpot one at your store, you get a percentage. I don't know what it is. Obviously, a fairly small percentage, but nonetheless, when you give out $2 billion, a million dollars, still pretty nice. I could live off a million dollars. That is one hell of an incentive if you own a, a convenience <laughs> exactly. store, a gas station, or anything yeah. like that. If you sell lottery tickets, absolutely. I would pay for a little extra signage all over the property just to advertise and bring people in. <laughs> Buy these lottery tickets, please. Would you want your name out, though? Absolutely I mean, if you not. won the South Carolina Education Lottery and Pat Daniel comes away with $175 million, would you want anyone to know? Nobody would ever know, but those that know me, there would be signs. There would be signs that I had won. There, let's say certain lifestyle changes. I might be doing sports talk from a rem- remote island somewhere <laughs> with a pina colada in my hand at all times. But, uh, but no, there's absolutely no way anybody would ever know my name. It would all be done... All right, let's be real. I think we, everybody listening, myself, yourself included, I think we've all thought about what we would do if we won the lottery, right? Like how we would spend it, what we'd go oh, about yeah. it. And I would absolutely go the legal route, going through an attorney, having somebody else go ac- actually accept the winnings, do all that, have all that set in place before. 
But no, nobody would ever, ever know the name Pat Daniel was associated with winning that lottery. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty brave. And I don't know if California has a rule that, hey, that once you collect the money, they have to at least mention your name. Now, no one knows where he lives. They've got a pretty good idea, you know, the vicinity because of it was evidently a convenience store sort of in like a neighborhood town area. But still. Edwin I mean, Castro it, it, is his name. There you go. Yep. And he won the ticket or bought the ticket at Joe's Service Center in Altadena in Los <laughs> Angeles County. And apparently he did actually wish to remain private, but you just hit the nail on the head. According to this article, this is on people.com, so I'll trust them. It is, uh, it is actually a, a state law. Oh, I guess it's a law, but it, it is a, uh, in the state of California, lottery winners are required to become public record, they are not allowed to remain anonymous. Wow. I don't understand why that would be that way. I mean, what purpose does, unless California is going to force him. Now, like I said, he did not come to the big press conference. They had to present him that, you know, the big golf check that they normally hand out. So unless they're going to force him to do advertisements for the lottery out there, whatever California's lottery is, I I don't see the purpose of making his name and outing him because uh, to me, you've put him in major jeopardy, he and his family. Well, I totally agree with you, first and foremost, but all I can think, just to play devil's advocate here, is just like in South Carolina, the mission of these state lotteries is to provide supplemental funding for public education, mm-hmm. which is both public schools and colleges. Therefore, I guess, could that be construed as public funds? And similar to, if you go to the South Carolina governmental website, you can find every single uh, government employee and how much they make. You can find out all their information on there. That's how on this show, for instance, we're able to so easily decipher what coaches make and what comes from public funds compared to private funds. So all I can think is if the lottery is deemed, quote unquote, taxpayer dollars to some extent, then maybe they are required to. But I don't believe that's the case in South Carolina. No, I don't think so. But uh, I guess if I just won nine hundred and fifty million dollars, I could buy a few more locks to put on the door. There you go. Don't you think? Big old gate around uh, around the (laughs) Burger Compound. (laughs) Go play the lottery, folks. Who knows? The next one may be you. 888-898-2525. All right. Friday, of course, the opening of the Division I baseball season. Gamecocks, Terriers, Shauna Clears, Cougars, and, of course, the Tigers. And they'll do so with a a brand-new head coach, Eric Backage, coming down from Michigan to take over the program, replacing Monty Lee. The Tigers will host Binghamton this weekend, beginning Friday at 4 o'clock. And yesterday, the new head coach of the Tigers, Eric Backage, sat down with the media, and here's a little bit of what he had to say about his first installment of Clemson baseball. People ask me what you know what it's like opening day week. It's you know feel like a parent. You know, three days before Christmas, you're excited to watch the kids. You know, tear open the presents under the tree. That's kind of the same feeling. Just the anticipation of something awesome. And uh, we just feel like, you know, our training has been great. The preparation had, couldn't have gone any better. And we're ready. The hay is in the barn. And uh, it's just time to time to start playing and, and really having some fun out on this field. When last you visited them, I think your outfield was still, maybe there was some question marks there. You kind of settled into that and, and what the lineup's going to look like early on. Yeah, so the, there's eight guys in the outfield that could all start on any given day. We had a couple of nicks and bumps and bruises last week. Um, collision, a sprained ankle, you know, Will Taylor's still still trying to get to 100%. So I think that's the one area of the field where we'll see the most uh, 
moving pieces, if you will. And not because we're not set on it, but just because we have a lot of very good and capable outfielders that need reps. Uh, so some of it will be just guys getting back to 100%, and some of it is just trying to, as we figure out what the best nine guys are, uh, giving some guys some opportunities. And I said this before, we've got, we feel like we've got very good depth on this team on the pitching side and on the position player side. Those are good problems to have. Uh, so we not only have some older returning players on this team that have credentials either in this program or in college baseball, we've got some young guys that, uh, that need to get opportunities as well. Uh, so they can continue to develop and they can they can help us win for sure. Who was involved in the collision? Oh, uh, that was uh, Nate Call and Tristan Bassetta, but uh, that, that one did not affect Tristan Bassetta. But Nate was out a couple days last week, but he's actually he's actually fine now. Uh, Tyler Corbett sprained his ankle and Will Taylor's still coming back, but I think I fully anticipate those guys will be able to participate in some capacity this weekend. Did, did Will suffer some kind of setback or is he just sort of... No, I think this is just the return to play okay. protocol from our medical team. Yeah, it's, it's you know, not an exact science. There's, you know, some days are better than others, but when he's been healthy out there and making highlight reel web gym catches, it's been fun to watch. But I think just still building up to that consistency of being able to go 100% each day is not quite there yet, but when he is out there, he's very dynamic and explosive. What will your rotation look like this weekend? So all of these roles we're going to actually talk to our team about first. We haven't, you know, all, my philosophy is we'll get everyone in the classroom. I'll put, I'll do a PowerPoint and put everyone's role on the board so there's zero ambiguity and everybody knows. Uh, going into the opening weekend what their role is and I, I haven't done that yet that'll that'll take place uh, either today or tomorrow in our class probably tomorrow in our classroom setting uh, so you know I think just from a just looking at looking at a guy like Ryan Hammonds moving him from the closer role to a starting role we didn't we didn't move him to that role to start on Tuesdays. You know, like his his makeup, his character, his toughness, his work ethic, his leadership, you know, that's the type of guy you want setting the tone every single weekend. So uh, I would expect that you, you're gonna see him you know, on Friday. But, um, but we have the pitching staff this year where we don't need our starters to go seven or eight innings. We've just got enough depth where uh, we may not need that guy to go through the lineup that third time or the fourth time. And there's just a lot of really good pitchers. Coach Bellinger has just done a phenomenal job of getting all these guys to attack the strike zone. It's like the embedded in their daily regimen of the best pitchy, pitchers and best pitching staffs consistently found the strike zone. And it's always known that about him just playing his teams on the other side, but now seeing how he reinforces it on a daily basis, uh, it's it's really good. Nice. Eric Bakich, head baseball coach at Clemson. His uh, pregame or preseason press conference, if you will, is uh, he met with the media yesterday. All of his audio up on our website at sportstalkfc.com. Tigers open up the season this weekend 
on Friday, starting their season opener against Binghamton at 4 p.m. Meantime, at USC, Mark Kingston will meet with the media tomorrow afternoon over at uh, Founders Park, and we'll have that covered as well up at uh, sportstalkfc.com and then on the uh, program tomorrow. Quick update from uh, Clemson. They've gone to halftime, mercifully enough. Tigers just blowing out Florida State up 47-26 to at the break. Tigers shooting a ridiculous 60% from the field. If you're Florida State, you got to feel pretty good about your offense. They're shooting 45% from the floor and 50% from three-point range, but Problem is they can't guard anybody. And the uh, Tigers just dominating the opening half. Hunter with 16, P.J. Hall with 12. Hall still yet to miss a shot from the uh, from the field. Five of five from the floor, two of two from three-point range. We'll have that coverage for you tonight as well up on our website, sportstalksc.com. For Phil and Pat, I'm Chris. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. We'll talk back to you tomorrow here on Sports Talk.